Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephan traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so sending in the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of court of Herod in Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Thank you, Daniel, for reading today's passage. When TV series attempt to get their viewers up to speed on what has been happening in previous episodes, they usually include a short segment at the beginning highlighting the the major events that have taken place in previous episodes. This segment, it prepares us for the episode we're about to watch. Now, if you were to look at the episodes of my life leading up to this moment, you would begin with a black screen and a voice saying, previously in the life of Pastor Ray. You would see a scene of me at 13 years of age. When I was 13, my youth pastor took our group to spend the weekend with the First Nations community in Lillooet. It is one of my great memories. We had a wonderful time worshiping and eating together. For me, it was probably my first opportunity to connect with an ethnic group distinctly different from mine in such an intimate way. Transitioning to today's Bible passage, what might the introductory segment look like for Acts chapter 11? And how would it prepare us to understand what it means for our church family right now, the episode we live today? We'd begin with a black screen and a voice saying, previously in the book of Acts, And then we would see Jesus standing before the disciples and saying this, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. After a spectacular Pentecost episode, we'd see shots of Peter and the apostles preaching in Jerusalem and doing many signs and wonders and a great number of people turning to Jesus. Then we would fade out and cut to a scene that would show the conflict between the apostles and the Jewish leaders. We'd zoom in on the high priest as he says, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem 
with your teaching. The mood would be tense as we'd be introduced to Stephen. As he preached his powerful sermon, crowds would pick up stones and walk towards him. The scene would fade out as the narrator read the words of Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. We'd see people scattering throughout Judea and Samaria, sharing the good news of Jesus as they went. Then we would see Saul blinded on the road to Damascus. And while the light from heaven flashed around him, we would hear Jesus speaking to him. This is in Acts chapter 26. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. On that Damascus road, Paul was called by Jesus to go to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, people like us at Willingdon. Uh, Syrians, Iranians, Armenians, Turks, Indians, Chinese, Koreans, Filipinos, Japanese, Thai, Africans, English, Germans, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Russians, and so on. All people can be saved. Fade to black. Are you ready for today's episode? So far, Jesus has been preached in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and now the stage is set for the gospel to go to the end of the earth. Let's consider today's passage. With this in mind, Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, read Greeks or Gentiles, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The word of God, it spread from Jerusalem to the city of Antioch in the Roman province of Syria. The city was founded by the Greeks on the Orontes River. Over the years, the city became known as Antioch the Beautiful, a city uh, on a river nestled up against the Lebanon and Taurus mountain ranges. It was famous in Luke's day. It was famous for its long, marble-paved boulevard, flanked by a double colonnade with trees and fountains. An island in the, in the river had a palace and a hippodrome. Bridges connected the island to the rest of the city. The main city had baths, theaters, and many temples. Being situated strategically on the east-west and north-south trade routes, it had a thriving economy. Antioch's population, estimated to be around half a million, was ethnically diverse, the population was made up of Greeks and Syrians and Phoenicians and Jews and Arabs and Persians, Egyptians and Indians. These groups were separated by dividing walls into distinct ethnic districts, with most, most groups staying within their district. It was a melting pot of Western and Eastern cultures. So what happened when the disciples arrived? In Antioch, Greek-speaking Jews began to share the good news of Jesus with Greek-speaking non-Jews. Verse 21 says, the hand of the Lord was with them. That means God's power was working through them. And many people from different ethnic and religious groups came to faith in Jesus. 
Church tradition has it that Luke, the medical doctor who wrote Acts, was one of the converts in Antioch. For certain, we see in the city the first large-scale movement of non-Jews to faith in Christ. And we see the church in in, in Antioch an unprecedented diversity, not only for the church family, but for the world. Many were added to the same church family. We even see the diversity in the church's leadership. This is in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Barnabas was a good and generous man from Cyprus, a Hellenist Jew. Simeon was called Niger. Niger means black in Latin. Many believe him to have been a black African, maybe an Ethiopian. Lucius of Cyrene was from Libya, North Africa. Menaeng is described as a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. He was raised with Herod Antipas, who ruled Galilee and Perea. He would have been a person of high social standing. And Saul was a Hellenist Jew from Tarsus, now situated in south-central Turkey. These names are fascinating because here you have a a very diverse leadership team, which reflects their multi-ethnic, intercultural, multilingual church family, and one can't help but think of the parallels with the Willingdon Church family in Metro Vancouver, working in 10 languages and members from more than 70 countries. We're a diverse family. Willingdon, in many ways, is an Antioch church. Do we see how God has crafted us in his providence? Do we cherish the diversity in spiritual gifting and ethnic composition at Willingdon? Ethnic diversity is wonderful, but there's something, something even more amazing about the church in Antioch. Verse 25, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Up to this point, believers in Jesus have been referred to as disciples or followers of the way. To be called Christian meant to belong to Jesus when society placed no value on this connection with Jesus. The word Christ means anointed one in Greek. The word Christian literally means belonging to Christ or little anointed one. What are the characteristics of these little anointed ones? Well, observe with me what marks the church in Antioch. The little anointed ones are anointed by the Holy Spirit. They worship, pray, and fast. They align their hearts with God's. They want to know what is important to God. Ethnic divisions are obsolete because Jesus has brought a oneness that supersedes even the most intense cultural and linguistic differences. People of very different ethnic and religious backgrounds, different social and economic layers, are united by their common faith in Jesus. This is also true for us. We are little anointed ones united by Jesus. Like the ancient church of Antioch, we belong to Jesus and to one another. Our willing and composition is multi-ethnic, intercultural and intergenerational, in our leadership and in our membership. By His grace, God has drawn us to Himself and to one another. Like the church of Antioch, we are a miracle of the Holy Spirit. As they were grounded in the teaching of God's Word, so must we be. As they were marked by worship and prayer, so must we be. Let's observe another episode from Antioch. This is chapter 11, verse 27. 
Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. The church family in Antioch gives generously to the church family of Judea because they are one family in Jesus. They are in solidarity with one another. They love and give generously because God's people are one in Jesus, wherever they might be found on earth. A few months ago, we challenged our church family at Willingdon to give generously to the church family of Myanmar, many of whom are struggling to just to find food. The challenge was to give $30,000, which would enable our Myanmar brothers and sisters to feed 10 villages for six months. Our church family responded by giving much more. Around 55000 was contributed. Praise God. What has happened? Louise Sinclair, Sinclair Peters, missionary to Myanmar, writes this. We want to thank you, Willingdon, for listening to the Holy Spirit and raising emergency aid for Myanmar. Many months ago, when you were speaking about this need with your church members, we had no idea what would happen after Christmas. We couldn't have believed the civil war in Myanmar would get worse, but it has. This past week, we started to take truckloads of food into the newest refugee camps. The increased fighting on the Myanmar-Thai border has resulted in thousands of refugees fleeing from the Myanmar military attacks on innocent people and villages. Thousands have lost their homes and churches, burned right to the ground. We are reaching thousands of people living in tents with food, tracks, and solar Bibles. People who arrive here have nothing to do all day except to grieve and worry. Here is a testimony from a refugee. Now quoting the refugee. I lost everything. My new house, my chickens, my pigs, and everything we owned. I was sitting here in the camp losing my mind. I was so angry. But then I started to listen to the solar Bible you gave me. It is changing me. It is making my mind and heart peaceful now. Louise continues, The violence against innocent people by the military is horrific. Pastor Isaiah, who spoke at Willingdon a few years ago, wants you to know that thousands heard the gospel and responded in Rakhine State on the western side of Myanmar, right next to Bangladesh. Many are from Muslim background. At least 40 were baptized. All this has been possible, Louise continues, all this has been possible because of Willingdon's generous gift to the people of Myanmar. Thank you for empowering us with funds that allow us to give food aid and share the good news with hundreds of desperate people. We couldn't have foreseen this need, this need months ago, but the Holy Spirit was leading your church family in this decision. Thank you. God takes the, the little we give for his kingdom and multiplies it. We're a family on mission. Let's turn to another episode from Myanmar. Again, Louise continues. One female evangelist from Myanmar said this just a few days ago. 
now quoting the evangelist, I used to go out and find Buddhist people and try to convince them about Jesus Christ. Now I don't have to go anywhere. They are all here in these refugee camps and hungry to know God. My situation is horrible, but my God is so good. Louise then continues, This woman became a full-time evangelist last year when her husband died of cancer. She felt called to go to an unreached village. By God's grace, a church was planted. Then fighting broke out, and she ran for days in the jungle. She ended up in a refugee camp with 300 Buddhist refugees open to the gospel. God's ways are not ours, but they are always good. Believers in Myanmar have been scattered by civil war and persecution. Amid much difficulty... And let's not forget that they too are in a pandemic. They continue to share the good news of Jesus, the reason for their hope. End of quote from Louise Sinclair Peters, missionary to to Myanmar. Their story inspires me, as I'm sure it does inspire you. We see the same courage and faith in the disciples who were scattered because of persecution in Jerusalem. Luke simply describes them as those who were scattered. Not a very impressive description. Persecution came and they took off. No names are mentioned, no titles, no mention of qualifications, just a description, those who were scattered. Now we need to remember an earlier episode in the book of Acts, in chapter 5, as the Jewish ruling council was trying to decide what to do with the first disciples. Gamaliel, a member of the council, who was a famous teacher of the law, he stood up and addressed the whole assembly. This is in Acts chapter 5, verse 35. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. Don't miss this. Gamaliel remembers the pattern he's seen time and again. A leader rises up. He establishes a following. The leader dies. His followers are scattered, and the movement dies out. It comes to nothing. Notice that the scattering of the followers is the last step before the whole thing falls apart. So we are to ask the question, when Stephen was martyred in Jerusalem and the believers were scattered, did the movement end? Did it all come to nothing? Gamaliel also went on to say, if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. In other words, if God is doing this, nothing will be able to stand in his way. There's nothing impressive about those who were scattered. But the power of God was at work in and through them. We read in verse 21, the hand of the Lord was with them. When the little anointed ones shared the good news of Jesus through their conversations and compassionate action, the Spirit of God moved in the hearts of people. The Apostle Paul compares us to jars of clay. There's nothing impressive about jars made of clay. 
They are neither valuable nor, nor beautiful, but they can carry priceless treasures. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, we read, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have the gospel. The Spirit abides in us. A few weeks ago, Pastor Brad and Gabe were walking, prayer walking in Edmonds, one of the most ethnically diverse postal codes in Canada. As they were prayer walking, they felt prompted by the Spirit to return to their car. As they returned, they heard a man groaning. Brad caught the man as he fell. He was having a heart attack. Gabe prayed for the man. Brad called 911. The man's life was saved. Do we have ears to hear the Spirit? Do we have eyes to see those who are dying, some physically, others emotionally, those dying spiritually? All of us who are gathered will be scattered all over Metro Vancouver this week. You'll be at the end of a 12-hour shift at the hospital, and you'll run into the nurse whose life has always seemed to be on the brink of falling apart. She needs the gospel. You'll be in a university classroom sitting next to the same person you sit next to every class. The person you know needs to hear of the love of Jesus. We are the scattered people carrying the power of the good news. You'll be at the SkyTrain station, and someone who hasn't been in Burnaby for longer than a week, who's feeling lonely and and needs a place to belong. You'll be sitting with other parents at your daughter's soccer practice. You'll be in the waiting room of the dentist's office. You'll be talking to your strata council. We'll meet all kinds of people this week who need Jesus. And I know that if we're willing to love people and share the good news, God can do amazing things through ordinary people like us. Because the power of the gospel doesn't come from us. It comes from God himself. The hand of the Lord is with us. It can happen right here in our church cafe. A few weekends ago, Walt and Carol Sikora introduced me to a new family. It was their first Sunday at Willingdon. The mother felt oppressed. She couldn't control her thoughts. We prayed for her, and then Carol shared the gospel with her. She surrendered her life to Jesus. Praise God. That's the power of the gospel. And then one more scene from ancient Antioch. The church is worshiping, praying, and fasting. Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. God revealed something to the church family. God had already called Barnabas and Saul to a special work for which they had been anointed by the Holy Spirit. These little anointed ones were to embark on their first missionary journey together. This was God's timing. What kind of church hears God's call to global mission? Well, it is a multi-ethnic church family, a worshiping and praying people, grounded in the scriptures and full of the Holy Spirit. It is a church family that has boldly proclaimed the good news of Jesus in its city. And God gifts it with a vision to reach the world. As we align our hearts with God's, we will be inspired to generously engage in global mission with people, with both people and finances. We're called to be a family where everyone is on mission with Jesus. A church that thrives locally will have a global mission impact. 
Here's a story from one of our members, George Fultz, a businessman who's been connected with the work in Myanmar. Hi, my name's George. Um, during COVID, uh, myself and two friends started a coffee company uh, here in Canada that's bringing coffee from Myanmar. So we engage with missionaries in Myanmar and those that are bringing the gospel to Myanmar, and we're their, uh, their depot here in Canada for, uh, for bringing their coffee. So we're seeing transformation in Myanmar, but we're seeing discipleship and transformation here in Canada as we engage with this coffee, uh, engage with people that are helping us with it, uh, volunteers that are here on the site, and, uh, and then seeing the transformation that's happening in, in Myanmar in, in the midst of a coup and COVID, people are finding Jesus. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time in the middle of COVID. God is using George and others through business to bless the mission in Myanmar. You see, the vision is about God, His glory, and His kingdom purposes in Metro Vancouver and around the world. The word goes out from centers like Jerusalem, Antioch, and Metro Vancouver. What God has done and is doing at Willingdon is for the nations. And as we surrender our lives completely to God, we will receive His heart of love for all people. And the truth is that we can all be involved with the way that God has gifted us and shaped us for His purposes. May we be faithful to God's calling on our personal lives and together as a church family, may we be on mission together with Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for all that you are doing around the world today. You are at work. Thank you that you are at work at Willingdon. And, Lord, we pray that you would align our hearts with yours. Grant us your vision for the world Lord, we ask that you raise up workers for the harvest that is plentiful. May we see those around us in Metro Vancouver. May we also see the nations around the world. And as people are called to serve in different places around the world, may we be ready to encourage them, to support them, to empower them in your name. We pray this, Lord, because you are on a mission to reach the world. And we want to join you in what you're doing. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to leave a few questions for your reflection.